0: Hey how you doing this is Wade with Wade for Wireless and welcome back for another episode of Wade for Wireless with all your wireless updates news and information just sit back and relax. Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. Today I want to talk about fixed wireless is a focal point of 5G. That's right, fixed wireless, baby. Why am I excited about that? Well, one, because it's wireless, two, because it's high tech, and three, because it's going to put, hopefully, it's going to put broadband to where we could not get broadband before, or at least make it easier to roll out broadband, if you know what I mean. We all want broadband, Right. So the whole point of fixed wireless is to do that. And there's spectrum that's opening up. That is going to make our life so much better. But first, let me thank Tower Tracker Pro. TowerTrackerPro.com. For all your closeout package needs. What they do, they have a software as a service that will walk you through your closeout package. If you're at a tower site or a small cell site, step by step, it'll tell you what pictures to take. And before you leave the site, you can upload them to the cloud. Someone back at the office can look at them. Bam. Bam. You can make sure it's right the first time. One site visit. That is the goal, right? I also want to thank Tower Safety and Instruction. Towersafety.com. They have their new TelTech College. T-E-L-T-E-C-H hyphen college.com. And that's going to be exciting because they have so much training on there for anyone who's in the wireless business. They have safety. They have climbing. But not only that, you can get the live training for a tower trying, you can, <laughs> hey, let me try that again. You can get live training for tower safety and tower climbing training. That way you actually get hands-on experience when you go to the school in Phoenix, Arizona, or the school will come to you. They are an accredited school in the state of Arizona. So thank you to my sponsors, TowerTrackerPro.com and TowerSafety.com. All right, let's talk about fixed wireless. I didn't write this for nothing. I wrote this for you guys because this is exciting. I mean, it's really exciting when you think about it. I, I, I just uh, think that it's going to roll out new possibilities for broadband access. Now, granted, it's going to be a part of 5G is the way I see it right now because everyone's sort of waiting for 5G to get finalized. So here's the deal. It's probably going to be part of 5G. They're probably going to use network slicing and throw it in under the umbrella. The spectrum... Most likely here in the U.S. is going to be 24 gigahertz or 28 gigahertz in that range because that's what uh, all the carriers are licensing. That's what the big boys are going to use. For those of us who want to build our own private LTE networks, we'll probably use a CBRS band, which is 3.5 gigahertz. So just realize the carriers are going to dominate like they always do. They got the spectrum, they got the money, uh, and they'll do what they want to do but we still have an opportunity here to roll out something in the CBRS band for the smaller businesses, private LTE and enterprise. I'm just trying to make you guys aware plus, you know, if you want to go in the 60 gig range, you have a chance there too to roll out what you want because that's already being done. It's uh and there's new products coming out that are very cost effective in 60 gig 6 in e band and uh just higher spectrum. So don't feel like you're on the outside because the carriers have everything. But first off, let's talk about what is fixed wireless. Fixed wireless is simply point to multipoint. It's a fixed wireless access point talking to a fixed wireless subscriber point. It's been around for quite a while. It's just we've been using it in different spectrums, mostly license-free. I don't know. How many of you guys are familiar with Radwin, RuggedCom, Ruckus? Um, they have a lot of point-to-multi-point units that that work very well, and that's how people have been using it in the uh, unlicensed band. But now it's very exciting because you can get light—you can get lightly licensed spectrum, and you have a little more control over what you're doing. Now, don't get me wrong; there's 60 gigahertz. It's really hard to interfere with someone at 60 gigahertz, and I've rolled out a lot of those systems in the past. And all and, and that you can literally get a gigabyte per second. But generally in the past, if you ever worked with BridgeWave, it's generally point to point. Now they're finally coming up with like a gigabit connection that's point to multi point. How exciting to the, is that? I mean, even in 60 gigahertz, there's companies coming out with mesh units. But I digress. The reason this is key is because on the business side, fiber to the home is very expensive. It's not a great business model. Ask Google Fiber. I'm sure they're going to continue their deployment, but they're waiting for, I would think, I can't speak for them, I'm assuming, and you know what happens when you assume you make an ass out of you and me, but I'm used to being an ass, so hey, let's assume away, so I'm assuming that they probably are going to wait for a wireless solution, and it just makes sense, I don't know why Google, um, I know the driving guy behind it left, but probably because he saw the business model just wasn't there, I don't know why he left, but I would assume, again... Make me an ass, but I would assume the business model wasn't there to run fiber at every home. Running fiber is very expensive. However, what if you had fiber at the street and a drop and then you could go wirelessly to multiple homes and you could also shoot up the street wirelessly? Now, what's that worth to you? A lot. How awesome is that? So the centimeter wave, the millimeter wave. All going to fall under the 5G umbrella because 5G isn't just a format, although LTE will be the foundation for it, I believe. But think about it. The CBRS is going to be there. We're going to have a lot of options to do it on our own, and also the carriers are going to make it licensed. So they're actually going to have a structured system to get it out there. For instance, in the US, the United States of America, the FCC took the first steps and they opened up 28 gigahertz, which is 27.5 to 28.3 gigahertz. 37 gigahertz, 37 to 38.6 gigahertz, and 39 gigahertz, 38.6 to 40 gigahertz, all for that purpose. And there's a lot of spectrum in the 24 gigahertz range. Also, 7 gigahertz of the unlicensed spectrum in the 64 to 71 gigahertz spectrum. That's been opened up. If you remember, some of these bands were used in the past to deliver point-to-multipoint, like microwave access to buildings, very cost-effective, Very cheap. You could run it, and then all you had to do was wire up Cat 5 in the building or try to connect to the building Wi-Fi. Very cost effective. Uh, You pay once, and then in theory, you don't pay again. Now, you do pay maintenance. You have to take care of it. You have to worry about a lot of things. As we all know, wireless is not maintenance free. I wish it were. I wish you could set it and forget it, but you can't. You got to really watch it and monitor it and make sure it works. Okay. I have a lot of articles and links in the uh, blog, and the blog is called Fixed Wireless is a Focal Point of 5G, just like this podcast is called. And that's on WadeForWireless.com. Wade, W-A-D-E, the number four wireless, W-A-D-E, the number four wireless.com. Okay. So it's been done before, and a lot of telecom services have tried it, and it's been done by carriers. Like AT&T did a lot of testing on this. And they're trying to make it um, they're trying to make it cost effective for a couple reasons. One is for backhaul for their small cells. If they can get and and this is goes right along with Sprint's UE relay spectrum, which is they're trying to use two point five gigahertz for the most part. And I get it. Sprint for Sprint, it's very cost effective. They have a crap load of spectrum in two point five gig. They might as well use it. And it's a great way to roll out, very cost effective, say the mini macro, the small cells, things like that. Sprint, they have it. They might as well use it and abuse it and get the most out of it. That's the name of the game, right? They've been sitting on it. They haven't done much of anything until recently, and they tried to do it with mobility. It's just, you know, mobility thought they could take advantage of the right-of-way, and we all saw how that went. But back to the spectrum. I have a lot of articles in there. I have one uh, from BGR.com where AT&T, T-Mobile, and Sprint, they all promise one gigabit per second in 2017. And so far, they're delivering. Verizon delivered. I didn't put Verizon in there because they already delivered. I know T-Mobile has done it. In fact, I have an article from Wireless Week where they got nearly a gigabit per second. I know Sprint has 700 megabits per second working. I think now they're above that. They're getting closer and closer to a gigabit per second every day. And they may even have it by now. And then Verizon, like I said, already sees it. I have links in there. RCR Wireless, BGR.com, Fierce Wireless, and Wireless Week. And I cover all the carriers in the U.S. Sprint, T-Mobile, AT&T, and Verizon. Okay. So let's move on. We have, if you want to see a list for Spectrum for, say, the 5G fixed wireless access here in the States, I have the, uh, an article in there, a link to an article from the 5Gamericas.org. Let me tell you something. I love 4G Americas. I love 5G Americas. Just a great source of information for any of this. They write articles. They write a lot. And I have the PDF in there if you want to see the spectrum recommendations, which is what I looked at. And I think whatever they recommend is probably going to happen. What do we have? Like I said, the 24 gigahertz bands, which as we heard, AT&T and Verizon were bidding on, and I think they have probably a bulk of the spectrum you know 24.25 to 24.45 gigahertz and 25.05 to 25.25 gigahertz they have a lot of spectrum uh the other thing we have is a what what we call the local multipoint distribution service LMDS that's uh, you got some stuff there 275 to 2835 it's a lot of spectrum 29.1 to 2925 gigahertz that's a good bit 31 to 31.3 It adds up. I don't know who's using that LMDS. I'm sure somebody is out there. Uh, And then we got the 39 gigahertz band, the 60 gigahertz band, which, by the way, in 60 gigahertz are opening up seven more gigahertz. That's what I was talking about earlier. So you not only have 57 through 64 gigahertz, now you're going to have 64 through 71 gigahertz in that band. And that band, I believe, is lightly licensed, if not license free. So it's going to be awesome. Then you have 70 to 80 gigahertz. Now, here's the thing with 60 gigahertz. When the lower band, you have weather is a huge factor. Humidity is a huge factor. The upper band, not so much. So it's going to be very exciting, the fact that we can do so much with this spectrum and that anyone can get it. When I say anyone, you and me, all we have to do is buy the equipment and license it. How easy is that? The equipment, I was going to say the equipment ain't cheap, but you know what? It's come way down. If you have a business, it's very cost effective. So I would think about that. Anyway, I'm just bringing up that we have a lot of solutions now. Everybody wants broadband. This is a great way to get it. The other thing is, I see it, my opinion, is competition for the cable companies because fewer and fewer people are watching live TV. More and more people are watching online TV, Amazon, Netflix, Zulu, Hulu. I think I said Zulu. It should be Hulu. I mean, think about it. That's really what people are watching they, they really are not going to watch uh, live TV as much anymore. Now, old people like me, well, I don't really watch a lot of live TV. I'm going to be honest with you. Stuck in front of the computer screen most of the time. Now, the other thing I look at at CBRS, because it's slightly licensed, and it is another option, and Google is really looking forward to that. They see that as a really viable option to get the internet, I said internet, to get the broadband out there so they can connect to the internet. That's what's really going on. You don't want broadband. You want the Internet. You just want broadband so you can get in the Internet. So to be fair, uh, the 5G Americas document doesn't talk much about CBRS, but they do say this. And I quote, other bands of interest from the point of view of global harmonization in the 3 to 5 gigahertz range as a main mid-range spectrum target for 5G. Interests have been expressed in the use of this range for 5G in the United States. This could potentially include the current CBRS band, 3.55 to 3.7 gigahertz, and beyond, up to 4.2 gigahertz, end quotes. So basically, they do see it as a viable option, but they don't really get into it, and it's really not a heavy part of the recommendation. So if you're interested, I really see this as a way as getting the signal to the people Now, uh, WISPs, Wireless Internet Service Providers, WISP, WISPs traditionally have used the on-license band to get out there. But the reality is you're very limited in what you can do. And now, let's face it, the cable companies have Wi-Fi almost everywhere in their territories. Uh, They don't have it everywhere, but look at what Comcast has done. They put it in every home router. They gave out wireless routers. I mean, that's, that's sort of where it's going. So it's going to be really hard to compete with that unless you're out in the rural area. Now, the other thing I wanna make a point of, the fixed wireless really only makes sense at this time in the urban and suburban areas. So you gotta think about that. It's, it's not gonna roll out in the rural areas just yet. Although I could see it working there, all those spectrum I talked about, it's very short range. You're not gonna shoot like a 10 mile hop. Uh, again, the carriers, you know they have spectrum for that. They're doing a pretty good job with that. And unfortunately, that's who you're gonna be stuck with. Where I do see it as a viable option, is if you're willing to put a small cell that can be strand stranded out, out in the middle of nowhere just to hit one or two houses, that might work. I I was raised on a farm. I lived way out in the middle of nowhere when I grew up. And, I you know, we were lucky to have telephone service. I don't know how old anyone here is, but we had party lines and things like that up there because, quite frankly, the telephone company didn't see the need to run any more copper out to, you know, us hicks. A <laughs> bunch of rednecks out there running around. We were lucky to have a phone, much less have a dedicated phone line. Now it's a lot different. You know, you got CenturyLink running broadband of these homes the best they can. And they're doing it over ISDN lines. And it really has opened up a new world for a lot of these people. So I don't want you to rule it out. I'm just saying that might not be the viable model that you're looking for. All right, everyone. I'll let you go. I want to talk about fixed wireless. Everyone, have a great week. Have a great weekend. And if you're in the smart tech business, be smart and stay technical. <laughs> Be smart, be safe and pay attention. See ya. By the way, don't forget. I have all my books out there. Learning 5G. It is released. The Smart City Deployment Plan. It is released paperback and ebook and I have the LTE Deployment Handbook. Got them all for you. I'm coming out with some new ones. Coming out with a Smart City Case Studies Handbook. Just so you have that. I'm also coming out with a few new reports on C-RAN, Cloud RAN, uh, centralized ran things like that and it, it goes into way more detail than just the um you know just what the technology is it actually goes over more of the business case and the analyst and things like that again see ya <laughs>